0: South Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.
1: Hi, good morning. Good morning to your listeners.
0: Well, we've been broadcasting this information in our news bulletins this morning early. And Sarah, these statistics are really harrowing. Were you shocked by the figures?
1: Unfortunately, I have to say, we weren't shocked by the figures. And I think it's really important to say that we know that our figures, and that's, you know, over... Uh, nearly 27,000 contacts with our national helpline and our Dublin-based services. That is just the tip of the iceberg. One in four women in this country will be subject to abuse from a current or former intimate partner. And Really worryingly, what we also know from our own research with young people is that these numbers are not going down. This prevalence seems to be persistent. So um, we know that by the age of 25, one in five young women will have experienced abuse. And that compares to one in 11 young men. So it remains a very gendered phenomenon and one that we have to um, I suppose what we're saying today is, you know, it has been heavily exacerbated by COVID-19. But even as COVID abates, we are coming into kind of a global crisis, economic crisis. It's so urgent and important that we do not take the foot off the pedal in terms of our work as a society to combat domestic violence.
0: You've kind of preempted my second question, which was that we know COVID really affected those in domestic abuse situations. And again, has it now continued on after the pandemic? Listening to what you've just said there, I believe it has.
1: Absolutely. and I mean, Women's Aid is, is nearing our 50th anniversary. We were founded in 1974. And, you know, year on year, the contacts, you know, increase and the disclosures remain extreme. The levels of distress certainly were seen more deep, more profound uh, over the last two years. And I think a lot of that was because the systems and structures that... You know are in place um, to uh, to to try and support and enable assistance to victims of domestic abuse. They were really compromised, and that ranges from our informal supports like our family and friend support networks you know where through isolation and uh, you know public health measures we weren 't able to have that level of contact for uh, some work is a respite and it's a place of sanctuary in some cases, but for those who then had to pivot to working from home, that was no longer the case. Um, and we also, for those who have to navigate both the criminal and the, the civil law system, the family law system, those systems were under terrible pressure even before COVID-19. And now um, we have extremely long waiting lists. We, we urgently need more judges. So the systems and structures right. were impacted, which meant that it was more
0: difficult. The very nature of the terminology domestic abuse because in many cases, maybe in most cases you're actually living with the person in question means that often the incidents aren't reported. What advice do you give to somebody who's listening to us this morning who's living in these difficult circumstances and has a fear of reporting them?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it It's not always the case that somebody may be living with somebody and it is important to know that if if anyone is experiencing serious, uh, you know, significant abuse from a former partner or from somebody who they are not cohabiting with, the law also offers protections and support to you. The law isn't going to be for everybody. It's a very difficult um, uh, thing to ask somebody to engage with the justice system. I think what's even more important, though, is that if anyone out there is feeling, you know, that there's something going on in their relationship, it doesn't feel right, they don't feel like the same person anymore, they they feel unsure, fearful, alone, there is support there. Our National Helpline it's 1800 341900 We're also a gateway to all of the local services um, uh, around the country, including there in the southeast and I think crucially what we would say is if something is going on, please speak to somebody, you know, and that could be a friend, a family member. One of the most common tactics used by abusers is to isolate, to use a pattern of behaviours, to isolate and shrink somebody's world. So, you know, reach out, speak to, you know, a sibling, a friend, a colleague, say, you know, um, things aren't really going well, I, Mm. I need to talk. And that's the first step.
0: and the actual services that you offer then what are the main ones please
1: well the national service we have is the national domestic violence uh, helpline that's 24 hours a day 7 days a week every day of the year if somebody uh, you know uh, is more comfortable speaking through a different language we have a dial in interpreter service in over 200 languages Um, In Dublin, we operate uh, a drop-in service in the largest family law court for uh, women who may be trying to make an application for protection for the first time. And that also acts as a referral to uh, our own face-to-face and court accompaniment services and those of our colleagues who also operate similar services. And then we have a high-risk support project, which we're delighted to say now in 2022, we've received support from the Department of Justice to start an incremental national rollout, and that's done in partnership with but yeah. we also operate a lot of awareness um, for young people in particular. We have our two into you, it's a, it's a separate website, 18 to 25 and even younger, advice on healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, red flags and support available for them.
0: Um, are you under pressure yourselves as an organisation with this increase in figures and how are you coping financially and support? Are you managing to cope?
1: We've been... Absolutely blown away by the uh, support from uh, private donors, you know, small grants, and of course, we're always very grateful to have received our statutory funding, which contributes to our frontline services. So, in the in the last two years, that has allowed us to keep uh, everything afloat. In some cases, to expand our services, and also to invest in areas like I mentioned, that really underserved cohort of young people, um, to kind of raise that awareness for them. And we have pilot. Programs that we really hope we'll be able to sustain our funding for, such as our maternity project, which is engaging now with four of the main maternity hospitals around, creating, uh, co-creating training to better support responses uh, to pregnant women who uh, may be at risk of abuse or or um, postpartum, and um, and we have a dedicated outreach service, you know, which works uh, in cooperation with the social work teams there. So really important work we've been able to do, um, and also. So a grant scheme, just giving very practical support, uh, helping to change the locks, put in CCTV vouchers for women and their families who may be really, really struggling on the breadline. So we've been really really grateful and we do our utmost always to honour that support that we get
0: Well as I said the the figures are startling, they're very very worrying there's one aspect of it, there's so many aspects that we could discuss in detail and, and more, most definitely will do over the coming weeks and months Sarah but coercive control I believe this uh, is very much uh, dominating these figures as well uh, people are asking what is coercive control?
1: Yeah, coercive control. I mean, one thing that's really important to note is that coercive control since uh, the enacting of the Domestic Violence Act 2018 is actually a crime now on our statutes. And the reason that's so important is that, as I mentioned, domestic abuse is not about a single incident of verbal abuse or physical or sexual abuse. They, they may be crimes in their own right. It is a pattern of behaviour and it can include all or some of those um, kind of tactics. And so this is uh, recognizing effectively what is at the core, what is at the heart of a domestic abuse um, dynamic, which is that pattern of a combination of, you know, emotional abuse, uh, wearing somebody down, actively isolating them, monitoring them, um, you know, trying to demean them in some cases, threaten in some cases, physically hurt or sexually uh, abused. But it's that pattern of behaviors which if you took each single incident on its own, they might not on their own constitute crimes. But when you take them together, the impact is so enormous. It shrinks somebody's world. It makes it feel impossible to leave. Um, It puts them in a state of complete hypervigilance, walking on eggshells all the time. And so... That is really what is effective in one person gaining power and control over another is that coercive controlling behaviour. But as I say now, different to other crimes where you have like one incident at a certain moment in time and that's what's prosecuted. Coercive control can now be prosecuted, recognising that pattern of behaviour, often over long periods of time.
0: Thank you so much for talking to us this morning, Sarah. I know you're inundated with calls from radio stations and media outlets today, but it's a very important today and it's a very important report. And now most importantly of all, you have a 24-hour national free phone helpline. Would you like to give out that number? Would you like me to give out the number? I have it here in front of me.
1: I can do it. It's one eight hundred three four one nine hundred, and our instant messaging support is available through womensaid.ie and two into you. And as I say, if you want to know about your local support service, we can actually directly connect you through that helpline to them, provided it's in their office hours.
0: Southeast Radio's morning mix: chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran.